just turn this one on for me. And, um, you know, anything this side of hell is better than we deserve. I'll never forget a young man coming to my office some years ago now, and he was mad at God. And um, he, uh, he said, life isn't fair. And then he said, God is not fair. And I said, well, I would have to agree with you about that. And he looked at me surprised, and he repeated himself. He said, no, I said, God isn't fair. I said, well, I agree with you. He said, how do you agree with me? I said, well, you and I are the sinners. You and I are the ones that should have either died on Calvary's tree or gone to a devil's hell. But God gave his son to die for sinful man. God's son never sinned. The Lord Jesus never sinned once. And yet the sinless one died for the sinful ones. And I'm going to heaven not because I deserve to, but I'm going to heaven because of God giving his son. That doesn't seem fair to me, but I sure am grateful. I sure am thankful that heaven is my home. Anything this side of hell is better than I deserve. 1 Kings chapter 17, and then in a few minutes, Genesis chapter 35. I am concerned of us not meeting together, that our attention is not given uh, as it should be. I want you to think, if you will, just for a moment before I preach, our flesh is so driven toward being satisfied and toward entertainment. Isn't it something how you can uh, watch a cartoon or your favorite program or game show, whatever it may be? You can watch that 30 minutes, an hour, some two or three hours, and, 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 and give your attention to that. But when it comes to the preaching of the Word of God, our flesh fights against that because it knows that the flesh is going to be crucified. Oh, but listen. We gain so much when we feed the Spirit of God that is within us. And so today, I would ask for your attention. I would ask you to put your uh, anything away that would, that would distract you. And you may be watching the service on your phone, and, not, and if you put that away, you'd put me away. Uh, but, but, but I want you to pay attention to the message. I believe uh, that the message will be of help. I believe it's what we need. It sure is a blessing to me. First Kings chapter 17, uh, we're going to read the first seven verses, and the seventh verse is uh, the text for the message, but all of the verses are important. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, 
and he drank of the brook. Verse 7, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I'm preaching this morning on the subject, Don't Trust in the Brook. Don't Trust in the Brook. Heavenly Father, help me, I plead, I beg, I pray, I hunger, I thirst for the power of the Holy Spirit. While I stand in somewhat of an empty building this morning with less than 10 people here, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be present and will empower the preaching of the Word of God. That request is not to magnify me. I am nothing more than the grass of the field that will come and fade away. And Lord, you are eternal. I pray that you would just let me praise you and lift up your name in the message today. And I want you to receive the honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The life of Elijah is exciting to read and to study for any Christian and for many reasons. Especially the preacher, the man of God, enjoys reading and studying the life of Elijah. Elijah was a man of strong convictions and he was a man of courage to stand. He was without doubt and certainly God's man for the hour. Our text passage is the beginning of Elijah as recorded in the scriptures. Most likely, this event that took place in his life positively affected his life for the rest of his ministry. You'll note first that the Bible tells uh, Elijah, God tells Elijah, I want you to go to Ahab and tell him that there will be no dew nor rain on the earth for some years or until I say it is going to rain again. Now that was a result of Ahab and Jezebel's leadership away from God and to worship the idols of the day that allowed sin and wickedness in their lives. After Elijah delivers the message to Ahab, Elijah is told, I want you to go hide yourself by the brook Cherith. He said, the ravens are going to bring you bread and meat in the morning. They'll bring you bread and meat in the evening, and you'll enjoy drinking the water from the brook uh, there at Cherith. Uh, this is certainly interesting as he is provided for by ravens. That's, uh, God has a sense of humor to me. It, it, it's just amazing when I, when I just look at the details of what God did in the lives of men. Uh, I, I don't know, but I think maybe the ravens would go up to the palace of the king and take his bread and meat and bring it down to Elijah. I don't know that. I don't know where they got it. But he got bread and, and meat uh, every morning, and he used the ravens to do that. And, uh, of course, uh, God's sense of humor has always uh, been noticeable to me. I love the story uh, in Genesis where, uh, where Pharaoh says, uh, I'm not going ever to allow anybody to deliver these slaves from my hand. And God not only 
uh, allowed a deliverer to be born, he raised Moses on Pharaoh's knee in Pharaoh's house. Hey, folks, God's in control. He always has been and is as much in control today as he ever has been. Anyway, this lasted for some time as Elijah would enjoy the meat and bread in the morning and evening and enjoy uh, drinking from the brook uh, Cherith. But in verse number 7, the Bible says one day that the brook dried up. When it did, Elijah had to leave or he would starve or thirst to death. And God told him, he said, there is a widow in Zarephath. She'll sustain you. I want you to leave the brook and I want you to go there uh, to that widow. Now, here's the message. Look right at me. Let me have your attention. Here's the message. The brook did not provide for Elijah. God provided for Elijah, and he used the brook to do so. And the message purpose today is to say, if we're not careful, we will transfer our attention. We'll transfer our praise. We'll transfer our worship, our appreciation, our devotion to the thing or to the place or to the person that cares for our needs or that satisfies us, and we will forget the God that is behind the thing that meets our need. Let me go a step further. Oftentimes, a person gets frustrated at the loss of something in their life, and they do not realize it was God that took that thing away. It was God that caused that loss for one reason. God never wants us to replace our praise and our worship, our recognition of him with something else. Oftentimes we get attached to things that we think God provides uh, or we think provides for us and we ignore the fact that it is God behind the scenes. It is God behind the curtain that is using those things to meet those needs. So I preach this morning, don't trust in the brook. Trust in the God that puts water in the brook. Don't let things, uh, don't let the things that God uses to provide for us steal away the love and devotion we're to have for God himself. Now I want you to think with me this morning. Did you know that it's not usually the idols of the world that Christians transfer their love and devotion to but so many times it is things that are spiritual or sacred that we transfer our love and our devotion to and we do it without recognizing it. I want to say this morning, it is God himself that is worthy of our praise. It is God himself that makes the promises of provision. It is God himself that we worship Today, It is God himself that we are to adore today. It is God himself that we are to praise today. It is God that we're to preach about today. It is God that we open our Bibles and we read about today. So many times in the scripture he would say that they may know that I am God. 
And yet our attention, our appreciation, our thinking is often directed toward the things that God uses in his hand to meet our need. And we think of those things or places without thinking about God. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35 is about a place called Bethel, and it is about a man called Jacob. Now, I don't have time to go through all of the story, but this story actually begins in Genesis chapter 28. For you see, in Genesis chapter 28, we learn about the place Bethel. Now, the word Bethel or Bethel, Bethel means the house of God. Now, I love that name. I love the name Bethel. I love what the name means, the house of God. I am thankful for the place where we meet God. In Genesis chapter 28, uh, Jacob is running from Esau because, of course, uh, he had stole his birthright. He had uh, connived and and, uh, been deceitful in his dealings. And uh, uh, Esau was after Jacob. And so he was running from him. And he comes to this place and he lays down. And and the Bible talks about how he lays down on the hard ground and he uses... uh, a stones for a pillar. Uh, folks, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound too uh, comfortable to me to use a rock or to use a stone uh, to lay your head on. Uh, but that was the condition, and that's what all uh, conniving and deceit brings. Uh, it'll make a, uh, uh, it, it'll cause you to have to lay on the hard ground and use a stone for a pillar. And it was there that night that God visited Jacob. Now, as wicked a man as he was, as sinful as a man uh, that he was, God loved Jacob. By the way, God loves you. I don't care who you are this morning, God loves you. God didn't give his son for good men uh, to die on the cross. He gave his son to die on the cross for sinful men, and God loves you. God met with Jacob that night in a very special way. Now, Jacob named that place Bethel. He named the place Bethel because he said, this is the place that God met with me. Now, I haven't forgot Genesis 35. I'll be there in just a few minutes. Now, while God did meet with Jacob back in Genesis chapter 28 at the place that he called Bethel, Jacob still did not yield his life completely to God as he should have. And there were several more years in the life of Jacob that he was not pleasing to the Lord. The further you get from God, the more miserable your life becomes. That's why our nation is divided. That's why our nation is a mess tonight or to, uh, this morning. Uh, that's why there's so much pain and crying and difficulty is because the further you get from God, the more uh, you're going to get into trouble and, uh, and uh, to the difficulties of the world. And that's where Jacob was. And Jacob declared, he said, I need to go back to Bethel. I have to go back to that special place, the place where God visited with me, the place where I, I saw that vision of God and that ladder and, and, and the place that God told me that he loved me. In fact, there's a song in our hymn book, and it's, a, and, and it's about this very thing, back to Bethel, back to Bethel, I must go. And so Jacob said, I've got to get back to that place where God met with me. In Genesis 30, 
35, Jacob returns to that special place of Bethel. Let me pause here just a moment. You and I have special places in our life. You remember the place where you trusted Christ as Savior? You remember where you were? That'll always be a special place, won't it? You remember the place of surrender. Uh, If you've given your life completely to God in total surrender, you know most likely where that place is, where you surrendered uh, your life to God. Uh, That place of marriage, uh, that place where uh, you committed yourself, husband and wife, uh, to love and to cherish uh, uh, one another. Uh, Big decisions of life are places where God met with you. Uh, There are no doubt places in your mind as Jacob had this place of Bethel in his mind. Now when Jacob returned, he no doubt remembered as he got to the place of Bethel, he remembered that wrestling, that unrest that was in his heart. He remembered what that had brought him to and he lay on the hard ground and used a stone for a pillar. He no doubt remembered the night some years ago as recorded in Genesis 28 uh, that he had uh, met with God and God had told Jacob uh, that he loved him and he wanted uh, to be with him. But I want you to notice what happens as we go to Genesis 35 and verse number 6. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel he and all the people that were with him. And he built an altar and called the place. Now, this is the exact wording in Genesis 28. And he called the place Bethel. But here, he says, and called the place El Bethel or El Bethel because there... There God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. Now, there is a difference between the place of God and the God of the place. You know what Jacob is saying here in Genesis 35? It wasn't the place that saved me. It was the God of the place that saved me. And so he had first called it Bethel. He said, oh, what a special place this is. I'll never forget God meeting with me in the night. I'll never forget God telling me that he loved me. I'll never forget that place. I'll never forget Bethel. Ah, but when he came back and he said, I have to go back to Bethel. When he came back and rehearsed what God had done, he called the place not Bethel, not the house of God. He called it El Bethel, not the house of God, but the God of the house. I'm preaching to you this morning while the place was important, and yes, it was. The God of the place is what made the place what it was. And I want to say today, it wasn't the church church that saved me. It was the God in the church that saved me. It wasn't my faith that saved me. It was the God of my faith that that saved me. I want to say this morning, thank God for those special places. Thank God for those special people. Thank God for those special events. But we do not enshrine them as the one that changed us. It's the God of those places. It's the God of those people. It's the God of those events that made the difference 
in our lives. Oh, I can tell you special places where I've met God and God's done a work in my life. I could take you today to the Bible Baptist Church of West 2nd Street in Xenia, Ohio. I can take you to about the place in the church where I was when I heard the gospel and realized I need to be saved. I could take you to the altar, the place where I received Christ as my Savior. And that will always be forever in my life a special place. But it wasn't the place that saved me. It was the God of the place that saved me and gave me eternal life. Bible Baptist Church in Hazard, Kentucky is a special place to me. My father started that church in July 1972. I grew up there. Oh, so many church services I learned about God there. It was there that my wife and I were married. Brother Clyde Jones Jr. from the Bible Baptist Church of West 2nd Street uh, did our wedding ceremony 33 years ago uh, this past week. That place is special. I surrendered to preach there. And I I preached my first sermons. And it was my first pastorate uh, for a little more than five years from 1986 to 1991. Oh, that place is a special place. But I want to tell you why it's a special place. Not because of the uh, brick and the mortar and the carpet and the pews and and the pulpit and the altar. It's a special place because of the God that met me in those places. I want to say this morning, church is more than a building. It's not just the house of God. It's the God of the house. That's what makes the difference. Uh, Clays Mill Road Baptist Church, just three miles from here, 3000 Clays Mill Road will always be a special place for me. I built uh, the buildings that are there other than that first uh, uh, church building and house that's there. Uh, Three different building programs. My wife and I raised our children there. That's where they were saved. That's where they were baptized. That's where I preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night uh, for more than 25 years, a quarter of a century. That place uh, will always be special. Ah, but friend, can I tell you, it wasn't the place Uh, that made it special. It was the God of the place. Oh, so many times I met him on Sunday morning early, like I did this morning in this place. And I walked around this place this morning and overwhelmed at the goodness of God. Ah, but listen, it's not just the place. It's not just Bethel, the house of God. It's El Bethel. It's the God of the house. He's the one that we worship He's the one that saved our soul. He's the one that made the difference in our life. For many folks, and it's true with me, Grandma's house was always a special place. But can I tell you, Grandma's house wasn't a special place because of the house she lived in, but because the grandma that lived in that house. It was the grandma that cooked those special things. It was the grandma that shared her seven-up and made those pieces of toast on a Saturday morning, and we spent time together. It's a grandma that made the seafoam candy that I enjoyed, and anything else that she made, those homemade biscuits. You see, the house is not what made grandma special. Grandma's what made the house special. May I say this morning, thank God for this building. We refer to it as a house of God, and understand that our bodies as a tabernacle or the temple of the Holy Spirit. I understand that. 
that. But this morning, this place is set apart for a specific purpose of preaching and, and of the things that we do to worship God. Can I say this morning, while well, I thank God for the place, it's not the place that makes it special. It's the God of the place that makes it special. I love the songs about our God, but if it wasn't for God, the songs would have no value. His name is wonderful, but it's not his name that's wonderful. It's the God that made the name wonderful. And I want to say to us today, if we're not careful without thinking, we'll transfer our affection to the place of God, to the service of God, rather than the God of the place and the God of the service. I love the ministries and the work of our church. I met with Brother Johnson yesterday and we're talking about the things that we need to do to get our buses rolling again, uh, to get our folks that ride the buses able to come to church. Uh, We want them to come. Oh, how we miss them. I pray for you. I was over at the uh, church property on Clay's Mill Road yesterday. And I stood there and I looked at all those buses that have been sitting now for months Children not been able to come to Sunday school. I love the ministries. I love the ministries in places we get to serve God. But it's not the ministry of God. It's the God of the ministry that makes it wonderful. You see, we're not just picking up children to get them to ride on a bus. It's him that we want them to know about. Yes, we have fun. Thank God for that. Nothing wrong with that. But it's the God of the ministry. I missed the choir. I stood in the choir this morning and uh, I thought about, boy, I'd love to hear the choir sing. And I love the choir. Boy, there's nothing like to me coming to church on a Sunday morning and uh, the piano and the organ, they stop. The choir gets in place. Boy, that opening song begins with the music and the voices of the choir. I love the choir. This morning, I want to say it's the God the choir sings about that I want to love most. I love their singing. I love their harmony. I love, I, I, I love the director. I love the music, and it's wonderful. I love the sound. I love the tempo. I love the excitement. I like the old songs. Ah, oh, but listen to me. It's not the songs about God. It's the God of the songs that I call our attention to this morning. Our camp is not about having camp. It's the God of the camp. Bible college is not just about Bible college. It's the God that we're learning about. In every ministry of our church, I'm saying this morning, the brook is not what we trust. The brook is not what Elijah put his faith in. The brook is not what Elijah said, that's going to take care of me for the rest of my life. Oh no, it wasn't the brook. It was the God that made the brook. It was the God that put the water in the brook. It was the God that he trusted him. And may I say, thank God for the things that you have. Thank God for your job. Thank God for your business. Oh, but wait a minute. It's not the business. It's the God of the business. It's not the place it's the God of the place it's not the job it's the God that gave it the job he 
He's the provider. He's the one that we ought to worship. He's the one that we ought to praise. Take your Bibles and go with me to the New Testament. Let's look at the book of Philippians. And I love the book of Philippians for many reasons, but it's a book that tells me that I can have joy no matter my circumstances. Uh, Happiness is connected to happenings. Sometimes our happenings are not very happy, and so our happiness is up and down. But joy is not based on circumstances. It's based on our relationship with God. Paul's circumstances in Philippians are terrible, but his relationship with God is wonderful. And so he talks to us about joy. He also talks to us about contentment. Look at Philippians chapter 2, and let's go to verse number 10. He says this, uh, Philippians 2.10, let me see. I'm sorry, Philippians 4. I was in the wrong chapter. Philippians 4, verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now notice the words, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. I rejoice. What's rejoice mean? Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. God, you're good. Thank you. I recognize you. Uh, I rejoice in the Lord, but didn't just do it. He did it greatly. Why? That now at the last, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now, notice what he says. He, he tells the Christians at the church at Philippi, he said, you met my need or you ministered to me, but that's not where he began. He said, Lord, I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you for these people who met my need. He was kind. He was appreciative to those people, and he should have been, and we ought to be. I'm not saying anything negative about the brook. I'm just saying the brook is not what we trust in. It's the God of the brook that we trust in. Paul said, I've learned to be content. The word content means I have all I need Content is all I need. It's the opposite of anxiety. Anxiety comes from not having what we need or getting in a place where uh, we can't get out, a place of danger. Paul said, I've learned to be content. Why? Because of the church at Philippi? No, because of the God of the church at Philippi. The beginning of Elijah's ministry was so important. Here's what he said. Go tell Ahab it's not going to rain. Not going to be any dew on the earth. Not until I say so. And we know how long it lasted. According to the book of James, it was three years and six months. There was no rain on the earth. That's what the Bible says. You say, if we studied that in history, could we find it? I don't know if you could find it or not, but I found it right here. And that's good enough for me. There was no rain on the earth for three years and six months. And that's what the Bible says. That's what we believe. Now, the Bible says that God told Elijah... I want you to go hide by the brook. And he went down to the brook and God fed him with the ravens and gave him then water from the brook. When the brook dried up, he said, I want you to go to the widow of Zarephath and she will sustain you. He may have thought, man, this gal's going to have fried chicken and homemade biscuits, mashed potatoes and uh, a banana pudding for lunch. I can't wait to get down there. He goes down there and he finds her gathering sticks and she says, I'm going to prepare one more meal. That's all the food I have left and my son and I are going to die. Hey, we're about to starve to death. How could I help you? And Elijah said, just do what God said. That's all I know to do. And we find that she 
she uh, made the meal for the man of God and her food never ran out until the end of the famine. In all of those things, in, 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 in the brook cherith and the ravens that he trusted in or the uh, widow uh, that fed him, it wasn't the brook or the ravens or the widow. You know who it was? It was God. And I say this morning, I don't want to put my faith and trust in men. I'm thankful for good men. That's not where my faith is. I live a disappointed life. If I put my faith and trust in the brook, but if I put my faith and trust in God, everything's all right because God continues to provide. Are you at a time and place in your life that you're about to lose something that you think, well, I can't lose that? Can I tell you? It's not those things you need to hold on to. It's God. You need to hold on to. Let me have my wife to come to play.